Our first uh, scripture reading of the morning is from John's Gospel, the 11th chapter, and I'll be reading verses uh, 17 through 27. It's the story of Jesus and Lazarus. Uh, It's a long story, uh, just about takes up all of uh, chapter 11. I'm going to read a portion of it, but then we'll be referring to the story in the course of the message. I invite you to follow along on the screen. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading is the Easter story today as it comes to us from Luke's gospel. I'd like you to follow along on the screen as I read from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 9. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again? Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I went recently to see uh, Jay Leno at the American Music Theater. Uh, He was supposed to be here in 2020. That got canceled. He was supposed to be here in 2021. That got canceled. But finally, he was able to come uh, last month to uh, Lancaster. And he told the story of two hunters who were walking in the woods when they came upon this six-foot-wide hole. And it looked like it was really deep, and so they wondered about that. And one of the guys said, let's see how deep that hole goes. And they looked around for something to throw, and they came upon a big, black, cast-iron anvil. They picked up the anvil, and they threw it down in that hole, and it didn't even make a noise. That's how deep the hole was. A few seconds later, from out of the woods, came this menacing-looking goat, eyes wide, nostrils flaring. It was running right at them like its hair was on fire. The men dove out of the path of the goat, who proceeded to jump right down into the hole. And one hunter said to the other, that's one of the strangest things I think I've ever seen in my life. A few minutes later, the hunters came upon a farmer who was out calling, Betty, Betty. And the hunters asked the farmer, sir, can we help you? And the farmer said, yes, please. I'm looking for my pet goat. 
And the hunter said, oh, we just saw him a minute ago. He jumped into that big, deep hole. And the farmer said, that's impossible. He was chained to an anvil. <laughs> now, I don't mind to make you feel bad, but the folks at 8 o'clock got that a lot better than you did. Today, we meet a man who went into a hole, literally a tomb, but it did not hold him on that Friday as Jesus Christ overcame sin, death, and the grave so that we might live as Easter people. I am continuing my sermon series on the I Am statements of Jesus, and specifically today on this Easter, Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. But before we dig in, I invite you once again to join me in a moment of prayer. Let us pray. Our gracious and loving God, in darkness and in light, in trouble and in joy, we come to you on this Easter morning, trusting and believing in your loving presence and power. In Jesus Christ, you are the resurrection and the life. You taste the death for everyone to bring us eternal life. And so we praise your name for your victory over death and the grave. Stand by those who grieve today. Comfort them with your Holy Spirit and give to all of us the good hope we have in Jesus Christ as we pray these things in his holy name. Amen. So in John chapter 11, Jesus gets a text message. Come to Bethany right now. Lazarus is near death, slipping fast. Come quick. But it says Jesus stayed two more days where he was. Well, you know what you would have done you would have hopped on a plane at a BWI and been there in the morning because this wasn't just anybody who was sick. It says, this was Lazarus, the one whom you love is ill. Well, by the time Jesus arrives in Bethany to Mary and Martha, Lazarus is dead, funeral services are over, and Lazarus has been buried. And immediately, these two women give Jesus the third degree. Martha says, Lord, if you hadn't taken your old sweet time, my brother would still be alive. So she greets Jesus, not just with understandable grief, but also with this anguished accusation. And Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And Martha hears Jesus' words, not as a promise, but as just another platitude. And so she cries out, oh, give me all, don't give me all this stuff about the resurrection of the dead in the last day. Don't tell me he's in a better place or, or this is God's will. I want to see my brother again, Jesus. In those days, for a single woman to not have a male breadwinner in the household was to put a woman in deep trouble. It's possible that Mary and Martha might wind up homeless and on the streets. Now, if you're listening, notice Jesus did not say, you're going to see your brother again. He says, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, oh, I know Lazarus will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So, so Martha heard kind of what Jesus said, and he ta she tagged it as some kind of future someday event. If you think about it, most of the time, our Christian faith is a someday faith. We believe what the Bible says. We embrace the words of Jesus to be true. But you know, for many of us, that mostly applies to something out there, beyond the horizon, out there in the future. 
And so we think, well, someday I'm going to need my faith. Someday I'm going to need peace in my heart. Someday I'm going to get my beliefs in line with God's. Someday I'm going to have to get my spiritual affairs in order in order to get that one-way ticket to that someday resurrection. And so Martha says, well, thanks, Jesus, for that sweet, sugary sentiment. And yes, I'm sure that Lazarus will rise again someday. Instead, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, you're looking at Mr. Resurrection. I am life itself. Only Jesus can provide the hope for our someday faith. Only Jesus can provide the answer to a grieving heart. He didn't claim to have an answer. Jesus claimed to be the answer. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And the power and the impact and the sheer force of what Jesus says sort of explodes Martha's someday faith into a right now faith. Jesus says, Martha, that resurrection that you're picturing off in that hazy someday, well, that resurrection is standing in front of you right now, right here. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And suddenly old pots and pans, Martha lets out with the biggest affirmation of Jesus up to this point in John's gospel. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Later on, they go to the cemetery. It says, when they arrived, Jesus was deeply moved. And in that moment of profound emotional anguish, it says, Jesus began to weep. If you're one like me, you grew up in the old King James Version of the Bible, we have the shortest verse in the Bible. It says, Jesus wept. I think we can probably all relate and understand why Jesus wept at the grave of Lazarus. We can understand because we've all been there, haven't we? In my almost 30 years of ministry, I have officiated over many, many funerals. And at those funerals, I've seen a lot, of, a lot of shedding of tears by family members, by friends, by loved ones. And I have to tell you that whenever I'm in a cemetery doing graveside service, I know why people cry. Because you see, that hole in the ground seems to mock everything that comes from God's word. It's like we're playing on death's home court. It's like we're in enemy territory. And we have this question staring us back in the face. Is the Christ who I cannot see, is he really victorious over this grave that I can so plainly see? And oh, my friends, yes, he is. This story that I've been sharing with you in John chapter 11 powerfully demonstrates it. And Jesus Christ's resurrection on Easter Sunday shows it to us once again. While at the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus says, take away the stone. And we get kind of a, a, a glimpse, a snapshot, a preview to today when another stone in front of the tomb of Jesus is also rolled away. And Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the thunder of God's power combines with the lightning of Jesus' words and life flashes back into that cadaver who is wrapped head to toe. It is when things get most hopeless 
that God gets most creative. How creative? So creative that a man who has been dead for count of four days, hippity hops out of his grave like a man in a sack race at a company picnic. And grinning from ear to ear, he runs into the outstretched arms of his sisters who are waiting with him with tears of joy streaming down their faces as they are once again reunited as a family. And friends, what Jesus does in our story today, he is also doing every day of our lives. Everything that could ever entomb us or defeat us is simply an opportunity for God to showcase his awesome power. You see, I don't think that Jesus just wants to inspire you or teach you or coach you. Jesus wants to resurrect you. He wants to take the dead things in your life and he wants to bring new life, life on an eternal level, but also life right now and right here. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life and he leads us out of the tomb of darkness and into the bright sunshine of a brand new day. Writing about the story of Jesus and Lazarus in a Bible commentary, the New Testament scholar Gail O'Day writes this. She writes, it's unfortunate Christians tend to only use this passage at funerals. Jesus' powerful announcement to Martha suggests that the church needs to embrace Jesus as the resurrection and the life, not only at times of death, but also in the daily moments of human lives. Because these moments too, whether one names them or not, are also lived in the face of death. John 11 asked the church to reflect that Jesus is the resurrection and life, not just of the crisis moments of death, but for all moments in life. Friends, Jesus' words stretch across 2,000 years to you and me sitting here today on this Easter Sunday. As Jesus says, those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. I mentioned the number of funerals I've done over 30 years. I would say that one of the hardest ones that I ever participated in was in New Jersey several years ago. It was a dear friend of mine, name was Walt Murphy. He died tragically in a plane crash in Croatia. This is in the mid-90s. Traveling with other business leaders as part of a delegation led by Ron Brown, who was uh, United States Secretary of Commerce under President Clinton, Walt Murphy went as a representative of AT&T with the hopes of trying to rebuild the, the war-torn Balkans. Well, over 350 people packed the church for a two-and-a-half-hour memorial service on a Friday night, and then over 800 people came to a middle school auditorium the next morning for a community-wide memorial service. It was a privilege, really, to be part of both of those services that were so emotional, so gut-wrenchingly difficult, and yet hopeful for eternity and in the present. One month later, the family wrote a letter in the local paper thanking everyone in the community for their support following this tragedy. I'd like to read for you a portion of that letter that they shared in the paper. To us, Walt will be remembered as a man of God who would sacrifice everything to uphold his duties as a husband and father. The beautiful thing many of us see clearly now is that to Walt, being a husband and a father was never considered a duty at all. As an only child whose father died when he was still a teenager, it was through hard work and determination 
that he not only grew into corporate America, but also served his country in the United States Navy and recognized the importance of truly loving and appreciating his God and his family. He lived each day to the fullest and his relationships with each of us never suffered, creating more than a lifetime of memories we will hold dear until we see him again. Friends, today is a day that we celebrate that Jesus is alive. The promise of the resurrection has come true. The stone has been rolled away. The tomb is empty. In Jesus Christ, the power of sin and death has been broken. And the forces of death that keep each one of us from living the life that God fully intends for us to live have been defeated. The fears that paralyze us, the habits that bind us, the poor choices that seem to define us, all of it, Jesus has triumphed through his resurrection. Everything is different. Everything is brand new. Everything has changed. And yes, friends, nothing will ever be the same again. Back in 1988, the Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher, Oral Hershiser, had one of those career years that athletes can only dream about. He became a 20-game winner for the first time. He broke a 20-year-old record by pitching in 59 straight innings without giving up a single run. In fact, of the last 102 innings he pitched, 96 of them were scoreless. His ERA was a minuscule 0.62. The Dodgers won the World Series, and Oral Hershiser was voted the MVP. The next night, Oral Hershiser was a guest on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and they were talking about the World Series. And Johnny Carson said, I noticed that in the game, when you were sitting in the dugout between innings, your lips were moving. And so Johnny Carson asked him, who were you talking to? And Oral Hershiser said, I wasn't talking. I was singing. And Johnny Carson asked, you were singing what you were singing? And Oral Hershiser said, I was singing the doxology. And Johnny Carson had never heard of it. He said, the doc who? The doc Severinsen? What's that? The doxology? <laughs> and so Johnny Carson asked Oral Hershiser to sing a few lines of what he was singing in the dugout. And so in front of that studio, studio audience and in front of the millions of people who were watching on TV, Oral Hershiser sang, Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him, above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. My friends, on Easter, we sing for joy about a present reality that Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And may all of you and all of you watching sing with joy the truth that Jesus is the resurrection and the life today, tomorrow, and indeed forevermore. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. <coughs> Gracious God, we thank you for Easter. We thank you for the empty tomb because without the resurrection, there is no gospel. There is no church. There's no trumpets, there's no lilies or tulips or choir or pulpit, and there's no future beyond the grave. God, you lead us into a mystery this morning that staggers the imagination. The tomb is empty. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. He is alive, and we are forever new. And so, God, we pray that the living Christ will be more than just our future hope, but that he would be our comfort 
and our confidence right here and right now. We pray that for us, Easter would not be just a yellowed headline in the scrapbook of history, but the present victory over all of our struggles, that because he lives, we live, and yet not we, but Christ lives in us. God, this morning we pray with Easter confidence for the needs right here in this room. We pray for those whose health is failing. We pray for families where there are tensions and struggles and difficulties. We pray for those who doubt and whose faith maybe hangs by a thread. We pray for a world that is in desperate need of your resurrection power, for the world for which you sent and loved so much that you brought your son. We pray that you would give to all of us that thing we most need from you, and that is the faith to believe that you are the resurrection and the life. And Lord God, most of all, we thank you for the hope which is ours of a party you are planning, a party with hugs and kisses and reunions and the wiping away of every tear from our eyes. And in that hope, we meet, pray, and sing, and celebrate this day through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, who taught his people to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.